Uh, who's ready for the Word of God this morning? Talk to me. All right, I'm ready. Now, I'm just going to let you know, okay, I'm from way down south. I was born in North Carolina. Man, I, when I was a child, we attended this small little church in the backwoods of Fayetteville, uh, North Carolina, right? The, the church was predominantly African-American, but our pastor was this short little 75-year-old white man, and his name was Reverend, not Pastor, Reverend Hubert D. Bays. You know you mean business when your middle name is just an initial. I'm going to tell you right now, man, Reverend Hubert D. Bays, he could preach the paint off the wall and the carpet off of the floor. And I learned from him, from, from his style of preaching and doing ministry, I consider myself a holler back preacher. All right, for those of you who don't know what that means, here's what I mean by that. I mean that today, for the next 20 minutes, I need you to help me preach, okay? Uh, listen, if, if you feel the Spirit of God moving on the inside, you may want to say amen. Let's practice. All right, come on. If, if the Spirit of God is speaking to you today, you may want to say hallelujah. All right, come on. Listen, you may want to do like my grandmama. If you hear something that resonates in your spirit, you may just want to make the stank face and just go, mm -hmm. That's my grandma did. Hey, all I'm saying, Living Word Church, you help me. We're going to get through this thing. Let God do what he wants to do, and we're going to beat the Baptist to the buffet. Holla if you hear me. All right. So knowing that I was stepping into a multi-generational church this morning, I prayed and asked the Lord what he would give me to share with you. And I know that we live in a life full of transition. And in, in the midst of transition, it's important that we're hearing the heart of God and following the cloud. Amen. In other words, you know, that we're making those steps in the direction that he has for us. Right. Um, and and I, I experienced some crazy transition about two years ago. I traveled for 12 years as a hip-hop artist doing music and preaching. But two years ago, I stepped into, into the office of pastor, and I pastor teenagers. And what I quickly discovered, uh, and I'm sure, my friend, that you, could, uh, you would identify with this, but as soon as I started pastoring teenagers, I quickly discovered that I was not as cool as I thought I was. Now, and I know I have many years ahead of me. Some of y'all are like, oh, you're a young man. You're a young man. I know I'm young, but, man, when you immerse yourself in a culture of teenagers, man, it just, your age shows. I, for example, I went out, like, for one of my first messages, right, Pastor Nick, and I said something like this. All right, y'all, let's get crunk. <laughs> See, they're laughing at me already. They're laughing at me. One of my teenagers said, uh, uh, Pastor Kervin, uh, we don't get crunk anymore. That was last year. <laughs> well, what do we do? He, he said, no, no, we don't get crunk. What we do is we turn up. I said, turnips? No, not turnips. We turn up. I said, cool, I got it. Next week, I get on stage. I say something kind of like, all right, y'all, let's turn up. Pastor Kervin, <laughs> let's talk. So, what? What am I missing? I said, listen. We don't say turn up anymore. That's so, uh last week. I said, well, what do we do? We don't get crunk. We don't turn up. What do we do? They said, Pastor Kervin, we get lit. <laughs> now, hold up now. Listen, before I met Jesus, I did a lot of drugs. So I said, wait a minute. What are we lighting up? <laughs> Is it drugs? <laughs> we don't do that. But it's so hard, man, keeping up with the ever-changing uh, culture, the slang of this generation, it's, it's, it's changing so fast. And I was talking to a friend of mine the other week, 
and I was telling him about this great opportunity that had fallen in my lap. And, and he was like, bro, that's great, man. You need to do whatever it takes to secure the bag. And I said, secure the bag? What's in the bag? <laughs> I ain't securing nothing. I need answers. So uh, I go on UrbanDictionary.com. <laughs> that shows how hip I am. Note I just said hip. Um, and, and I looked up this, this phrase, secure the bag, and, and it's defined as this. Uh, secure the bag is defined as the act of taking advantage of an opportunity that's at hand in hopes of obtaining something of great value. You with me, church? The act of taking advantage of an opportunity at hand in hopes of obtaining something of great value. And the truth is, you know, whether you're privy to this uh, concept or not, we have all been in seasons of our lives where we had to do whatever it took to secure the bag. Let me, let me make it really plain. Um, you know, if you're interviewing for a new job, right, uh, what are you going to do as you prepare for that interview? You're going to get a haircut, right? Uh, you, you're going to uh, maybe put on your makeup, put on your best dress. You know, you're going to uh, look in the mirror that morning and encourage yourself. You are a winner. Yes, you are. You got this. Uh, you're going to encourage, you know, you're going to do whatever it takes to secure the bag, right? How many single fellas I got in here today? Come on, single fellas, make some noise. Whoa. <laughs> no wonder you're single. So listen, if you're a single young man, and, 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 and one day, you know, that woman of God in church that is worshiping with all of her heart, the, the young lady that you look at and deep on the inside, you're saying to yourself, girl, I choose you. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the, the, the young lady that, that worships God in spirit and truth, the one that you've been Facebook stalking for the past year, um, the moment that she hits accept on your friend request, come on somebody, fellas, you're going to do whatever it takes. You're going to go to the express. You're going to find the clearance rack. You're going to buy you a new shirt. You're going to save up some money when she says that she's okay, she's uh, open to a date night. Come on, I mean, it ain't hot pockets that night. No, it's steak and shrimp. Come on, right? Why? Because you're going to do whatever it takes to what? Secure the bag. And young person, I want you to know today, adult person, I want you to know today that there is a bag that God has placed in the near future for every single one of us in this room, and that bag has a name. That bag is called destiny. Destiny is before you. Now, I'm not speaking just to the teenager starting life. No, I'm talking to the adult that is well-established and who has the, the job and has the kids. No, there is, as long as breath is in your body, there is still kingdom, purpose, and agenda that God's placed you on this earth to accomplish. And it's important that, that, that we understand that, listen, no matter what age group, that God still wants to use us regardless of, you know, maybe your broken home. Regardless of your past failure, I believe today that my God is a redeemer and a restorer and he still wants to use even your brokenness to make his name beautiful in a broken, fallen world. Listen, church, there's no way around it. Parents, I'm talking to you. There's no, there is no uh, pursuit. There is no uh, achievement uh, uh, within your career, there is no pursuit that you could go after or an endeavor that will ever substitute the fulfilling, uh, 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 the fulfillment 
of living out and walking in your God-given purpose. Why? Because I believe today that divine destiny is in your DNA. And once you come to the realization that, hey, I wasn't an accident. I, I, I was not just created randomly and placed in this earth. I was not an afterthought, but I do have purpose. I do have a reason for being on this earth. How, do, how many of you know that when you have that revelation, that in that moment, insecurity has got to go out of the window. Fear has got to move. The haters can leave because they've overstayed their welcome anyways. Listen, when you understand that you were created for so much more than just breathing, working, and dying, it changes everything. Because I believe today that God is in the business of using the unlikely to accomplish the impossible. Destiny is in your DNA. Listen, there are some of you here today, you have been counted out and pointed out in shame. But in this next season, you're the one that God is calling out and anointing to reign. Destiny is in your DNA. When I was uh, in my mother's womb, my mom felt the Lord gave her this verse. Like, this is my life verse. I don't know if you have a life verse, but this is my life verse. My mom declared this over me uh, when I was just a child. And it's Jeremiah 1, verse 4 and 5. And Jesus says this to the prophet Isaiah. He says, I mean, Jeremiah. He says that I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Come on, how many of you know that's a strong word to hear from God, amen? Concerning your destiny and your future. But I want us to look at Jeremiah's response. Now, here's a guy that gets this word. I mean, direct, like, open up the inbox. You have mail. It's God. Right? But look at his response in verse 6. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, I can't speak for you, for I'm too young. What he's basically saying is, I hear what you're saying, God, but I'm unqualified. I'm unqualified. We've all been in seasons in our lives where we're standing on the threshold of something great, and yet we feel unqualified. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, I had a, a friend of mine, he called me recently, uh, or, or last year, he saw what I was pastoring, and he called and said, hey man, uh, I see what you're doing in Lafayette, man, you're killing it, God's using you. He said, man, I'm going to pack up my family, we're going to fly down to Lafayette, we're going to get a hotel and stay for a whole week, and we just want to glean from your wisdom. I'm like, Got nothing, bro. I'm trying to figure it out myself. Why? Because that was insecurity speaking. The truth is that God is using my wife and I mightily in our city. And our, our children, our young people are encountering the presence of God. But yet, I don't see the success. All I see sometimes is the failure or the shortcoming or the insecurity. And can I be honest? We're not the only ones to battle with that. Some of the greatest men and women of God in Scripture battle with this insecurity look at uh, Moses when God called Moses what did he say I can't speak well but God called Gideon Gideon was found in a threshing floor hiding and cowarding uh, in, in fear for his life while his while his tribe was fighting the war he said I'm too afraid what about whenever uh, Peter one of Jesus's closest companions how many listen Peter was a thug y'all I don't know if y'all know that or not He's cussing people out, cutting off ears. You can't do that. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. Like, you, you can't do that. But Peter, one of Jesus' closest companions, when he, Jesus needed him the most, where was he? He denied him three times. 
Peter said, I am a failure. So often you and I fail to realize that God sees beyond our insecurities and our shortcomings. Listen, we've heard it a million times before, but I'm going to say it again today for those of you that need to be reminded that, listen, God does not call the qualified, but rather he qualifies those that he calls. Let's look at the word, Philippians 1.6. The apostle Paul said this. He said, and I am certain. Somebody say, I'm certain. He said, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Listen to me, young person. Listen to me, adult. Every person in this room, you are a God dream that is wrapped in skin and bone. You have eternal significance, and God has or is equipping you to carry out what you were placed on this earth to do. But watch me. There's something important that we got to understand. I believe today that there are choices and decisions that you and I need to make right here, right now, where he has us in this season, if ever we're going to walk in the fullness of everything good that God has for us in the future. If you believe it, say, I do. Listen, you will reap tomorrow what you sow today. So what I want to do today for the next few moments is share with you what I like to call the four pillars of purpose. The four pillars of purpose. And I believe for the 16-year-old to the 53-year-old on the crossroads of destiny, I believe that if you apply these principles to your life and ask these introspective questions, they will help you discover what that next step is towards living a life full of purpose and destiny. Come on, if y'all are with me, say I'm with it. All right, let's go. The first pillar today I want to share with you is direction. Direction. Habakkuk 2.2 says this. It says, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation, write it down, and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. Listen, before we start talking about destiny and five years from now and 10 years, 10 year plans, how many of you know, we got to have at least some vision for where we're going. We have to have some sense of direction. We have to have the vision, because in Proverbs 29, verse 18, the Bible says that my people perish for a lack of what? For a lack of vision or knowledge. Listen, if you want to walk in the purposes of God, you have to have some sense of vision for your future. So many Christians believe that, 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 that they were created with the destiny. And, and I talk about purpose, and most of you would say, yeah, I believe I have a destiny. I believe I have a purpose. But let's be honest. If I walked around this room and put the microphone in front of your face and said, what's your purpose? I believe we would have a resounding, mm. I believe that most of us would not know how to even address that question. It's an age-old question that people have been asking for years. I love God, and I believe I have purpose even beyond my career, even beyond my job, even beyond just being a mother or a father. But where do I start? And I'll never forget when I was a new Christian, I was in Teen Challenge. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Teen Challenge. I'm a graduate of Teen Challenge. I was a drug addict for all of my teenage years. Cocaine, crack, ecstasy. God delivered me radically. And I remember being in Teen Challenge as a young Christian asking these questions. God, what do you have for me? Like, I'm messed up. And I I, I don't foresee you being able to use me. 
and I was introduced to a song. It was a hip-hop song, and, um, and the song was about purpose. And I want to share with you the one verse from this song, and it revolutionized my approach to seeking out what God had for me and the direction he had for me. Can I share this verse with you guys? Is that cool? All right, check it out. It goes like this. I hear you saying I know that I got a purpose. I just don't know what it is. Well, let me help you uncover it. I'll tell you what I did. I followed my bents. Where do you like to go? What do you like to do? That should give you a clue. What do you do well? What are some of your strengths? What you like to discuss will probably give you a hint. Tell me what drives you up the wall. Because your greatest frustration may be something you were here to solve. That is if God gave you the tools to pull it off. And if he has, get up off of your stool and get involved. Ah. But don't bury your gift. Don't worry. You're equipped to do whatever God wants you to do for him. He wants you to take the thing that you like to do and blend that with the thing God told us we must do. So then, if you're spending all your energy and you're fruitful in the ministry, then that's what I call a win-win. Amen. Listen, that thing revolutionized my life. Because it's actually way more simple than we make it. When's the last time you've looked in the mirror and asked yourself some of those very basic questions? What are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? What are some things you're passionate about? You know, what are some things that just frustrate you and it just turns your heart? Could it very well be that those are the things that God placed you in the earth to help be a solution towards? Come on, somebody. Listen, every good and perfect gift comes from God, and the talents and the passionate inclinations that you have have been hardwired in your DNA by God himself. So you can use those gifts and talents to bring glory to God, even the weird little quirky things about you. Listen, my youth group are full of little junior high students, and they are quirked out. They are weird. I love them, but they're weird. But, man, I tell them all the time, we have a little hashtag. You know, it goes like this, work that quirk. Come on, because God can use anything. Come on, if God can change my life and use me and all of my brokenness, he can use anybody. Come on, somebody. See, asking these questions, you know, you may not have an instant revelation of what God has for you, but I'll tell you what you are doing. And asking these questions, here's what you're doing, church. You are taking steps towards your destiny. Listen, God never in the word calls us to take leaps of faith. But he does call us to take steps of obedience. And that's what you're doing when you ask these questions. Secondly, not only the direction, but you got to know the importance of connection. Amen? I heard this story about a man who found an eagle egg on the road. And he, I mean, because that's what you do. You randomly find eagle eggs. He picks up this egg. He takes it home and he puts it in his chicken coop with the rest of the chicken eggs. Over time, these eggs hatch. And this eagle is raised with chickens. And so the chickens are, you know, and so the eagle just, right? It's all he knows. They peck at the dirt, so the eagle pecks at the dirt. And one day, this baby eaglet looks in the sky and sees this beautiful creature soaring in the heavens. And the eagle said, wow, what is that? It's so beautiful and magnificent. And the chicken said, oh, yeah, that's an eagle, bro. So the eagle is the king of the heaven. He's majestic. There's really not another bird like him. And the eagle says to the chickens, hey, do you think I could do that? The chicken said, nah. Nah, that is a creature of the heavens, and we're creatures of the earth. 
and it is how it is. And that poor eaglet died thinking he was a chicken because of the people, because of the, the crowd that was around him. Listen, I'm going to fly through this because I want you to get this. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 12 says that two are better than one because they have a good reward for the toil. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Listen, I'm telling you today, and I'm talking to the young person and the millennial right now in this moment, it is imperative that you know who you're connected to. Because in the same way, in the same way that people will help you step into your destiny, there are also people in your life that can cause you, your destiny to be delayed. Come on. Listen, you cannot have a circle around you full of people who are going to be consistently pulling you down. God wants to take you to a new place, a new season, uh, uh, a new anointing. Listen, just the other week, I was driving in the car with my wife. Someone can come up on the keys now if you would. I was driving in the car with my wife, and there was a grasshopper hanging on to our windshield wiper blade. I mean, this thing was just like, it wasn't going anywhere. I cut the windshield wiper on. It was not moving. My wife hates bugs. She's like, get it off. I said, I'm trying. So we're driving down this country road, and it's not going anywhere. We're going 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. This thing is holding on for dear life. But can I tell you today, it wasn't until I jumped on the on-ramp and got on the highway, when I began accelerating the gas and moving faster, it was only a matter of seconds before that grasshopper flew off of my windshield. And can I tell you today that there are some of you here that have allowed grasshoppers upon the window of your life, and they're a, they're a distraction to forward progress. And I'm telling you today, I believe in the supernatural that God is about to begin pushing the pedal to the metal and accelerating you into your destiny listen living word church and when he does there are some people in your life that are not going to be able to keep up with the rate of which God is pushing you in towards your calling and when those grasshoppers, when those dysfunctional, passive-aggressive, uh, negative relationships start flying off the windshield of your life, baby, don't stop, don't turn around. You can say a prayer for them, but you better keep your hands on the wheel because there is destiny in the distance. There is a school waiting for revival. There is a workplace waiting for you, men of God, to step up and into your destiny. third pillar is placement I don't have time to get into it but here's the question yeah there's destiny in the distance but hear me there's still purpose in the presence how do you expect God to take you into a season of greatness when you're not faithful where you're at listen God wants to do something great in your family but are you taking care of his family are you faithful and attending church and, and investing in church, bringing God your tithe, your offering. Are you serving here in the church? Are you supporting the vision that God has placed upon your pastor? I'm talking to someone in this room. Are you faithful where you're at? Because in the same way, there's labor pains before the birth of new life and a storm before the rainbow and the internship before the job, the grind before the promotion and winter before the spring. 
there will always be a process of pain and purging and maybe even seasons of silence and solitude that we have to walk through before anything of beauty can come to fruition in our lives. Listen, there is purpose in the present. Be faithful for God has you. Luke 16, 10, Jesus said that whoever can be trusted with very little, what? Can be trusted also with very much. You got to know where you're going. You got to be connected to the right people. You got to be faithful and postured where you are. But lastly, the last pillar is this, and I'm going to close, is timing. You can know where you're going, have the right people in your circle, have the right people out of your circle, but if it ain't God's timing, we don't move. Moses said, unless your Holy Spirit go before us, you ain't leaving this place. David was anointed king of Israel in front of all of his brothers. All of his brothers were stacked up, looking good, tall, dark, and handsome. Samuel went down the line. Nope. Nope. Sight? Nope. <laughs> nope. He said, is this all your sons, Jesse? Oh, yeah. Well, there is David. Y'all bring David in. David comes in from the sheep pasture, dirty, disgusting, smelling like manure smelling like sheep, and yet, and yet, the overlooked was the one that God wanted. He was anointed in front of all of his brothers. I mean, that was probably a, an awesome moment. But guess what? After that moment passed, guess where David went? Back to the field. Back to the sheep. Spent the next few decades of his life running in fear for his life from Saul, hiding in caves. He lived a life of solitude and silence because there was a process. These psalms that we, that, 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 that we read and declare, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. These beautiful psalms, guess what? These psalms that we uh, declare and sing, they weren't written on a mountaintop of success. They were written whenever David was in the valley of isolation. They were written in the waiting. Before David ever killed a giant in public, he had been killing lions and tigers and bears in silence. Oh, my. Before he ever led a nation in victory, he led 300 men in obscurity. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says this. For everything that happens in this life, someone needs to get this. For everything that happens in this life, there is a season. A right time for everything under heaven. Some of you are coming out of a season now. Some of you are entering into a new one. Some good, some hard. But I promise you this, the word of God says, but I know that God has made everything beautiful for its time. And while so many people desire to bypass the process, the truth is it's in the process that you are prepared for your purpose. And there is a city waiting on the salvation of the Lord to arise. You are the vehicle that God is using. You are God's very best effort at reaching this community.